So when you're in seminary, like myself, studying to be a priest, you get this question pretty often. So when did you know you wanted to be a priest? Or another way, how did God call you to be his priest? And I never grow tired of hearing these questions, even after seven years in seminary now, because every time I get to share the Lord's goodness and just the great gift he's given me in my vocation. And so when I start telling my story, though, by the end, some people could be a little surprised. See, I grew up in a nominally Catholic household. We as a family went to Mass most Sundays, you know, unless there was like a soccer tournament going on or something. But I went to Catholic school growing up. I actually was in high school with Father John Claydar, a few years behind him. But this was pretty much the extent of a life of faith in our family. We never prayed together. Spiritual things were never a topic of conversation. It just simply wasn't present or talked of. And so when I went off to college, though I had a pretty decent amount of head knowledge, it never made it south. It never went to my heart. And so when I was on my own for the first time, I just stopped going to Mass. It's about eight years ago. And it wasn't because I didn't necessarily believe in the truths of the faith and the sacraments. I was just terribly lazy and didn't care. I had no prayer life at that time. And perhaps, you know, externally, I looked fine. I had a great group of friends. I had decent morals. I was pursuing a degree, doing well in school. But my soul was just like this dry desert, like a desert we hear of in the first reading today. Christ and his church was just not a concern of mine. But through the grace of God, he broke through. And a few months into that first semester of my freshman year, a friend asked me to attend Mass with them. And I indifferently agreed. Sure, why not? Little did I know that this would be the beginning of Christ coming into my life, my reversion, or really, for me, my first conversion. Ultimately, this friendship with this person faded, but for some reason, you know, I kept the habit of going to Mass up, perhaps because it was at 9.30 p.m. on a Sunday, and that works great for college students. You had zero excuses. But after about a few weeks of this, I was sitting in University Chapel, this was actually the 9.30 a.m. Mass, and it was about the time of the homily, and I had already started to daydream. I was just not there mentally whatsoever. I could have been drooling, I wouldn't have known it. But not paying attention at all, just going through the motions, I do remember it wasn't a very good homily, if that's worth anything. But about halfway through it, it was like a two-by-four hit me across the head. And I heard these words in my soul. I want you to be my priest. I was freaking out. I didn't actually audibly hear any voices, you know. I didn't visually see any visions of angels descending and speaking to me. But I just felt this intense, overwhelming presence and power within me. It was like, I try to give these examples, like a tsunami crashing into your soul or a completely dark room. You're sitting there. Someone comes in and turns on a 5,000 watt light bulb and you're just blinded. Or like a a wet log and someone comes and pours gasoline over and just ignites it. That's what it was for me. And this is from our first reading. The desert, my soul, the desert and the parched land will exult. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. 
the Lord will come and save. My soul was like this desert. But what happened, you could ask? A flood of rain came from the Lord. That once dead land rejoiced, it started to bloom with the flowers of life. How true that was for me, and still is. And my brothers and sisters, how true this is for you, for all of us. For you see, it has happened to you. At the moment of your baptism, our baptism, when we were made the beloved sons and daughters of God, this was the reality. Souls void of life being made completely new and pure, being made an adopted child of God. The Lord has abundantly blessed you with his graces, with life, and with love. And from all eternity, he's intended it as so. He had you in mind when he became man. He had you in mind when he was upon the cross for our sins. This is the greatest truth, the greatest truth of our faith. Preparing now an advent for the full coming of Christ at Christmas, that he humbled himself, the God of the universe, to become a helpless baby. Just think of that. The God that created everything chose to become a baby, deigning to become one of us, to take upon our desert of brokenness, to even be tempted in the desert himself, all to save us, to bring life to that desert. And we praise God for this on this Gaudete Sunday, which literally means to rejoice with joy and bliss. But again, if we're being honest, like myself, you know, we're still humans. Despite our all-powerful baptism and what it did to us, the world, the evil one, Satan, still tempts us. He still seeks to isolate us, to destroy us, still seeks to discourage us and cause us to sin. That's his mission. And we do, we do sin, we're faulty, we're humans. Like me, we can go lazy, we can grow apathetic towards the Lord. We could forget his goodness and graces he's given us. And we sometimes have to ask, like John the Baptist today, are you, Jesus, the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Is Jesus really the Messiah? Is my suffering in prison right now really worth it, he's asking? Or should I look to someone else, something else? So that's what I asked. When I heard those words in my soul in that chapel eight years ago, I was tempted so many times to think they were too good to be true. Thinking, nah, there's no way God would want me to be his priest. If he just knew my sins, if he knew my brokenness and how long I didn't even care about him, why on earth would he want me? What appears to the heart, I think that was for Jesus when I thought those things, a heart pierced upon the cross. And when that happens, when his heart is pierced, as we read in the Gospels, what poured forth? Blood and water poured forth. That was the birth of the church. And thank God that blood and water poured forth because it hit what was below, the desert, the desert of my soul. And when that does happen, it happens to all of us. It bears fruit. And so after this revelatory, powerful moment in this chapel in college, I tried to keep my cool, right? You know, I remember when it happened in the exact moment, I said, oh no, under my breath. And someone looked over in the pew next to me like, what are you saying, man? There's a homily going on. My mind was racing. I mean, I'm still not praying at this point in my life. I haven't gone to confession in years. But after mass, I found the priest. 
I beamed it right for him. I said, Father, my name's Jack, nice to meet you. Uh, I think I'm called to be a priest. How do I do that? Like, what's the first step? How do I, you know, jump in the deep end? He said, well, that's great news. You know, congratulations that you came to that discernment, that choice. Um, and he asked me, so uh, how long have you been thinking about this? I Father, you're not going to believe this, but like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> but I'm really like, this is, you know, I, I can't doubt this, this power, this peace that's overwhelming me. Like, that's not for certain. And he's like, uh, okay, you know, you can take a deep breath, calm down a little, um, and be patient, right? That's what our second reading today, the Lord tells us to be patient. Yes, he's coming. Yes, he wants to bless us and be with us. But in his time, right, he is the Lord. And so this priest then just laid out this toolkit of our faith to me, something I knew most of my entire life but just never engaged in. He told me to start praying at least 15 minutes a day, he said. He encouraged me to go to adoration, daily mass if I can. You know, college students, you have free time. He told me to go to the library, something I didn't do often. He told me to get some books on the saints, start asking for their help. And finally, this was the big one, he told me to go to confession. I was terrified. It had been years. Um, I had some good sins racked up at that point. But then he said this, to go regularly. It's like, don't just go once a year. Go every couple weeks, man, like when you need it. It was a little daunting, for sure. Like riding a bike for the first time after 20 years. You're going to fall. And fall I did. But for me and for you, if we find ourselves in these scenarios, you know, we ought not to fear because the Lord is with us. He never abandons us, even at our lowest moment when we think no one is there. For we have the gifts of faith and courage given to us at our baptism and confirmation. We all have them, but do we exercise them is the question. Do we engage with Jesus, the church, our prayer life, the sacraments on a regular basis? Are we just going through the motions? Just look at John's question again, but then let's look immediately after at Jesus' response to him. So John's in prison at this point, right, by Herod, and he's asking his questions, his disciples, to go to this guy, Jesus, his cousin, and say, like, are you the one? Like, is everything I've done worth it? So he asks, are you, Jesus, the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And Jesus said to them in reply, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. What a beautiful response. Like, yes, I'm the one. Yes, I'm performing miracles. So do you see, brothers and sisters, do you hear? Because Jesus is here. He's real. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And he wishes today to save you, to save me, all of us. From our laziness, from our sins, from our imprisonments, from our ailments, from our deserts. Do we believe that? Do we believe that we're worth it? Because you are. Hear today from him through my voice that he loves you and he would die for you again even if you were the only person on earth 
It took a long time for me to believe and internalize that. He wishes to make flowers bloom within you, to bear precious fruits in your souls, to dwell within you and be with you in absolutely everything. Those things you don't want to share with even the people closest to you. So today, when Father Clytar makes present Jesus on this altar, when he says, this is my body, this is my blood, let's receive him in the most holy Eucharist and let him in. Give him dominion over everything so that when he comes at Christmas, we'll be ready. Lord, come and save us.